0: and welcome to the Riffraff Podcast, hosted by Amy Baker and Rosie Edwards. We set up the Riffraff to champion the work of debut authors and to provide guidance and support for those dreaming of one day being published themselves.
1: Today we're talking to Chloe Seeger, author of Editing Emma, about how to nail dialogue, the role of social media in writing that's good and bad, and Chloe dons her literary agent hat to offer tips on writing the perfect pitch.
2: dingy internet cave tuesday 2nd of september i.e day 45 of despair posted by miss h 1503 leon naylor is in a relationship with anna mcdonnell three mins. huh that's funny because i thought he was in a relationship with me posted by miss h 1605 my phone rings and rings and rings it's steph then faith then gracie i know they mean well except Gracie, who will be not so secretly enjoying this, but I really don't want to speak to anyone. Maybe ever again. I will limit human contact to only when it's strictly necessary, i.e. my mum when I need food. Maybe she'd even consider getting a little hatch put in my bedroom door. Posted by Miss H, 1714. Staring at the status as it gets more and more comments and likes, becoming more and more real as I become more and more discarnate. I guess that explains why he hasn't spoken to me all summer then. How could he do this? Am I not even worth a proper breakup? Was I that unimportant that he can just act like I never existed? I wasn't even made Facebook official. I didn't even have the dignity of him ending our relationship in person or online before starting a new one. I've been left in the shadows, invisible and unacknowledged. Has he been meeting up with her all this time? All this time I've been sending out deranged thinly veiled tweets that are obviously about him or posting photos that say look at me in this revealing outfit having so much fun I'm completely fine who needs you la 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 when really Steph put me to bed by 7 p.m sobbing in my heels through all of that he's been starting another relationship for how long I did see her on a group shot on that day out to Hyde Park but I thought she knew one of his friends or something posted by Miss H 1936 this is what the inside of my brain looks like Leon, Leon Naylor is in a relationship with Anna McDonald. Leon, Leon, Leon Naylor is in a relationship with Anna McDonald. Leon Naylor is in a relationship with Anna McDonald. Leon Naylor is in a relationship with Anna McDonald. Leon Naylor is in a relationship with Anna McDonald. Leon Naylor is in a relationship with Anna McDonald. Leon Naylor is in a relationship with Anna McDonald. Leon Naylor is in a relationship with Anna McDonald.
0: Hello Chloe Seeger. Hi. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us on the Riff podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah it's a pleasure to, to meet you. Um, so please let's start with you telling us a little bit about your editing Emma. Sure. Um, so editing Emma is a YA novel
2: for teens and it's about a girl called Emma who has been ghosted by who she thinks is the love of her life. Mm -hmm. obviously me being older and wiser I know better but she spent the summer being a bit pathetic um lounging around her house stalking him online and she kind of gets the end of the summer and thinks right enough is enough um I'm gonna go on this life mission and I guess she kind of starts a new blog and kind of I guess starts a series of life edits which in the end turn out to be kind of nearly as unhealthy as her summer was but Mm -hmm. um yeah hopefully room for hilarity in her in her journey (laughs) and it is
1: hilarious it's such it is obviously a YA novel but as as an adult reading it it is so spot on (laughs) so funny thank you and obviously it's formatted as you said to be to resemble blog posts and there's a couple of text messages in there and things Mm -hmm. like that and
2: what appealed to you about writing in that particular structure um well actually it didn't start as a blog it started as a diary um and then once that idea of of having it as a blog came up it just felt completely natural and i went through and i changed i changed it all um i think it just felt natural because I, i kind of it just made sense she would always be on her phone she's obsessed with it um and also it kind of i mean practically it has a lot of room for her being in the moment So I remember reading um, the Louise Renison books when I was a teenager. don't know if you remember um, those. Yeah,
0: they're great.
2: (laughs) But they were diary entries. And I remember always being quite frustrated that I was always getting the past account of of what was happening to her. And I kind of just thought Emma would kind of sometimes get her phone out and be writing about stuff as it was happening. And I also think um, Emma is kind of someone who, I guess, kind of doesn't feel like anything is real unless it's online or you know she's just been ghosted by someone who didn't even make her facebook official and she's kind of feeling like her her whole existence has come into question i guess she's kind of asserting her her yeah her existence and kind of saying i am here and I guess she wants to record everything. I remember when I was a teenager, I went through a phase where I was like, if I don't have photos of my night out on Facebook, did it even happen? It? <laughs> Sometimes that might be a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely.
1: I've had nights out where I just didn't think it did happen. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
2: so, yeah that can happen too. Yeah. Do you
1: think it's kind of, is it the new diary writing? Because when I was a teenager, back in a long time ago, um, I used to write, an actual pen and paper diary do you think it's kind of blogging and stuff is the new diary writing for
2: well that's what i was thinking i was thinking you know it's it is because she's not really blogging about topics in a way that we might think of blogging she is using it as her diary and i kind of thought that would make sense um and i think actually there's a, a moment in the novel where she discovers her old pens pen paper diary and she's thinking oh i haven't used these in a million years so yeah maybe
0: are, are you, are you a blog- are you a blogger have you, have you... I've had it?
2: a few blogs, but they're none of them that I've ever consistently really stuck to. I don't have the kind of um, drive that you need to keep doing it. But, I mean, actually, I had a book blog. Because I work in publishing, can only really write about books that you really love. So my reviews weren't very balanced and I have a I have a film blog. I actually I'm obsessed with Gilmore Girls and I'm doing the Gilmore Girls movie challenge. I What's the movie challenge? I love the Gilmore Girls. Oh my god. <laughs> I've just We could be best I've friends. Just, I mean,
0: <laughs> we should be. Yes I've just got Lorelei yeah that's that's Lorelai Yes and Rory. Rory. Okay, or te- well, te- <laughs> technically Lorelei
2: and Lorelai. Exactly.
0: Oh my oh my nerds. I mean if, if, if <laughs> any sorry, mean maybe you just have to leave the I I've, I've watched the well the ones I've enjoyed the ones I've watched I've enjoyed. I just started rewatching it. It's um, like,
1: it's like, it's like chicken soup. It's like it's the so most comforting. comforting thing.
2: I've rewatched it so many times, <laughs> it's ridiculous. But I'm actually just rewatching season four at the moment, which I always skip because it's The Return of Dean. And it's like watching new Ooh, episodes. Return of yeah, Dean. he's so yeah. boring. He was my Dean first. No, <laughs> <laughs> was so it wasn't boring. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Massive tangent. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm doing the Gilmore Girls movie challenge, which is watching all the movies they ever referenced Ooh. in the whole show. So I have a, a blog about that, but it's, Minimum commitment because you just literally write a couple of lines about whatever movie you watched and post cool. it off. Yeah, and I to, to follow that blog. <laughs> <Yeah>. What <laughs> is the name of the blog, in fact? Um, a Film by Kirk. <laughs>
0: oh, obviously, it's obviously. Called film by no one Kirk. else knows what that means. <laughs> Everyone
1: else knows what that
0: means. Everyone else. <laughs> so anyway, getting back to the oh, yeah, the subject at hand. hand. Yeah. So, <laughs> how important do you think a sort of uni- a fun structure is to a narrative, to a you know, a modern narrative? Um. Yeah I think structure is very important um, actually
2: I probably have more experience talking about this as an agent than an author because I get so many submissions in where for instance you'll have someone who's writing from two different voices and then suddenly the second voice will disappear and you're like oh where did that character go so <laughs> you definitely have to think about structure um, I think with Emma the structure definitely worked for me because it, it gave me so much room for punchlines with comedy so I could just break it and then you you have the joke sitting and move on and it was kind of fun, bite-sized bits that kind of just worked for the book. Um, But yeah, totally depends on the book but I do think it's important.
1: And, and and kind of picking up on that, you do have so much dialogue in the book, which makes it so snappy, and it's and it's so warm and relatable.
0: Oh, How did you. you approach writing it? From watching the Gilmore Girls, because the <laughs> dialogue in that what I remember. Oh, I'm so <laughs> yeah. yeah, it turns out you do know
2: what it's about. <laughs> it's true, the dialogue in Gilmore Girls is very strong. Yeah, well, actually, strong or weak, depending on who you ask. Some people are like, no, it's not realistic at all. It's so realistic. true <laughs> to them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I talk to somebody who would say something like that. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> no, me <we laughs> neither. Oh, cut all those people out of my life. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, I I rewrote quite a lot of the dialogues. I went through it and I thought, all of these characters sound like Emma. I think when you have worked on one voice for one character for quite a long time, it it can be quite easy to then get so into that you forget that other characters wouldn't respond like Emma. Um, and so I I kind of just went through it and thought, how would each character respond? And naturally, and I think, you know, what would they bring to this conversation? Um, I guess also I studied drama at university, so maybe doing a lot of acting and dialogue with people maybe helped with that. Helps you kind of get into other people's heads and and different... Exactly. Of and, and i'm so used to studying plays play scripts
0: yeah what was it what if what is that the kind of tip that you would offer to um aspiring authors who are trying to who are struggling with their dialogue yeah dialogue is one of the hardest things to get right i find
2: when i'm reading submissions um i would say yeah reading out with someone can really help i think a lot of the time um, people use it as a tool to get information in but you have to it's tricky to kind of get it to to get the information in but to make it sound naturalistic at the same time so yeah definitely reading out with people helps
0: that probably helps with the first person narrative as well doesn't it like that kind of like reading it aloud to see like i I found reading it aloud helps when you're writing did you Mm. find that with yours
1: um uh i I don't Um, i don't i I don't really remember reading it out loud no i possibly did probably to myself so that's not you probably need someone else to bounce it off yeah, a little bit, I
2: think so. Yeah, so and you can then bounce off
0: for someone else. So yeah, believe. and
2: then if they're stumbling over the dialogue, or I mean, it's a little bit different because I suppose in a book it's still a little bit different to film. But you can definitely tell where it's getting really bumpy when you read it out with someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good tip. Very good tip.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> um, and there's such a, a strong positive feminine. Message Feminist, feminine, female message running through the book. Obviously, Emma is, you know, a female protagonist. Um, But how important do you think it is, you know, especially considering your audience, to provide a really strong female role model?
2: Yeah, I I was going to say, actually, it's... I think in adult books, less important. Um, But, yeah, definitely in YA, I I do think it's something... You have so much responsibility to your readers. um, It's a bit scary, but... Yeah, I'm. I'm glad you say she's a positive role model. That's mm-hmm. nice. Thank you. <laughs>
1: well, I definitely, but- I definitely thought she was because I think she's fallible and she's real, and but she tries and she does, you know, and and I think she's relatable and I think that is positive. But yeah. For, you know, especially in your teen years, where you know it can be so easy to
0: feel quite isolated. She says at 31, yeah. someone's crying about to sleep. <laughs> Do you think that this but- was kind of maybe the book that you? needed when you were a mm. teenager oh, oh that, absolutely that,
2: yeah yeah i i did want to write her as a, a kind of a role model but i also wanted i i didn't want it to be unrealistic i kind of thought when i find novels more interesting when someone changes and grows across the novel so i definitely wanted her to do that and kind of get a message across hopefully without it being patronizing um because she changes so much across it um but yeah the, this is definitely the message that i would have wanted as a teenager a letter to teenage chloe yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, no. No, have, have you have you had much feedback from people reading it, sort of teenagers that are reading it, and that in sort of like along that vein?
2: Yeah, I have actually. It's That's really great. sweet when a, a real teenager messages messages you, and especially you know, I actually had a message from someone in Germany the other day. He was like, "I felt like Emma was me," and Aww. I was like, "It was it was really sweet." And yeah, no, it's so nice to get. I mean, it's lovely when adults enjoy it as well, but there is something really special about when a teenager
0: reads it and loves it mm. it's it's interesting um like i really enjoy ya yeah. I, I spe- I really, especially funny ya and I, I, why do you think it is that adults dig it so much like because they do uh, it's so so yeah, popular they do. i mean
2: i do yeah um maybe it's all adults who sh- had a very um vivid teenage life or maybe they still had stuff that they are working out from their teenage years i know that it, de- it was definitely a important time for me i guess it's an important time for everyone but yeah, I think there are certain people who definitely love it, would love it more than other adults, and kind of thinking what links us. Maybe maybe had a difficult teen life, or just a very interesting one, and you're kind of still thinking about it but yeah it's such a significant time yeah and I think you can never get bored of reading coming-of-age novels absolutely oh I mean, it's My su-
1: exactly and it's just such a relatable thing that we have all been through whether it was really traumatic or you had a great time or whatever you know everyone went through that transition I, yeah. re- I read
0: an article about um on the what's it called signature reads have you read that up at that website? Oh, yeah, I have it was, been, yeah. It, and it was a article about John green because 'cause he's got a new book coming out, and it was talking about kind of his how he's been criticized for having characters that are clearly too eloquent or potentially too eloquent for <laughs> what an actual teenager kind of is, and like I like his his argument's very much like you know you don't write how you talk, so he needs to mm. get it down, but i th- it, I think that kind of maybe it's kind of wishing that you were able to say those kind of things in that kind of way. Maybe that's what happened, the experience that was happening in your head, but maybe when you were a teenager, you couldn't vocalise it like that. That's quite yeah. a nice way of thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I, actually, I started
2: writing, well, I wrote the first 10,000 words of Emma when I was a teenager, and then I came back to it in adult life and found these 10,000 words and thought, oh, I'm going to finish this. I think if I'd finished it as a teenager, it would have been a very different book. Oh, well, so, was you interesting. so you started
0: writing it years ago?
2: Yeah, years ago, oh, but wow. as in not very much of it, like, a little bit i started a bit and then i came back to it and finished it as an adult Um, and i think if i'd finished it as a teenager it would have been so different
0: that's that's that's, that. gabriel talent wasn't it when he was saying um he was saying kind of like it's all very well wanting to write a book in a rush but Mm. really like that's when you do that you write a book that's all of your preconceived notions like you know all your all your preconceptions about life rather than giving yourself time to learn those lessons that then make you write a book that's got more going yeah. on. And, and how much yeah. of
2: your original manuscript is still in, is in the finished book? A few of the party scenes, but that's it. Really? When she goes to the house party, that is all teenage Chloe. Oh, that's but, so cool! Yeah, <laughs> that's
1: incredible. I love that.
2: But I think uh, the perspective you have as an adult, writing for teenagers, mm-hmm. I think is important. Mm.
0: Yeah. Um, how do you go about making that like authentic... Like, how did you, like, how? Well, I kept diaries. That's so sometimes cool. I go through
2: my diaries and sort of just get back into the, and I obviously have a listen to some My Chemical romance <laughs> 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 and some blink 182. And I just try and get back into Teenage Chloe mindset. Although actually, I, I started yelling at my mum when I was writing this book. She was like, no, stop, stop. <laughs> what are you doing? You're reverting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there are like, there are nights where you can go and read from your old. Teenage diaries. Yes, I really need to do one of those nights. There's cringe, isn't it? What's it called? Cringe? Oh my god, it sounds amazing. We, um, we have to find out and then I think we should all go. <laughs> I have
1: one of the best entries of my diary is oh god, I can't repeat it without saying the name. I have to think of another name for the guy. But it's like, my life is awful, everything is dark. I'm seriously thinking about killing myself. In other news, I went to a house party and got fingered. <laughs> Oh my God. Like, <laughs> I've actually started in other news. In other news.
0: In other, <laughs> oh my God. That's, that's brilliant. Really, that's, that's just the writer in you was that there. It's, it's the flourish. <laughs> I think, yeah, like I needed to work on my transitions. I
2: feel like you just summed up pretty much all of that. But, but I think, exactly, I think that's the high and low though, isn't it? Of being an adolescent. Absolutely. And, the turbid, your turbid and things can feel like your life is going to end, then the next day you're fine again. And mm-hmm. I think that's actually one of the, brilliant things about being a teenager as well it can be awful but some days you just get up and it's like oh actually nothing really matters at this at this point i mean all teenagers obviously have different experiences but definitely for me and my friends there was stuff like we'd be crying
0: about one day and the next day you've just forgotten it yeah resilient yeah, yeah. <laughs> so resilient, and also tend to like not have that much of an idea i mean i was clueless when i was a teenager I was like, oh yeah Wandering around anyway oh. still clueless now actually <laughs> anyway, so, so your book is a, is a lot about social media and the effect it has on teenagers um what do you think about the effect social media has on writers and <laughs> um, do you think it's good or bad and what effect does it have on you Ooh, um both definitely both
2: i think it's great in so many ways like it gives you such a platform to connect to connect with other writers and sometimes you know to to publicize the book and to be active and involved in a community but also gives you like room for obsession such room for obsession mm-hmm. the kind of and it's like being back at school and knowing that everyone is talking about something you did but you can see everything that everyone is saying about you online i think you know, knowing that I can go on Goodreads, and for instance, and see everyone criticising kind of my work is and scary. And praising, and praising, <laughs> of course. But I actually I tend not to look at all because I even you see one lovely, th- you know, ten lovely things, you see one bad thing, and that's the thing you're going to remember. Exactly. So, yeah, I think, I think in lots of ways it has really opened up opportunity, and you know, I think it can be quite isolating writing so having social media
0: is really helpful connecting people it is like it is handy isn't it but yeah. it's also yeah a, a grounds for so much comparison of where you are at your career compared to the people that you oh try to emulate yeah. which is constantly like constantly comparing <laughs> myself to jk rowling I mean, yeah. <laughs> thief, of joy. thief of joy that's what they say um, and obviously
1: so we've obviously touched upon you know, the kind of correlation between you and Emma and obviously mm. a bit of teenage Chloe is in there. How important <laughs> do you think it is to put yourself or for authors to put themselves into their books or into their characters, and especially a first book when it's your first run out, you know, it's
2: is it easier to base it on your own life a little bit? Um I guess unwittingly, all authors' work has quite a lot of themselves in it. Um, some more than others... I mean, Emma's got some anecdotes, which are just absolutely mine. And I <laughs> think not all authors maybe want to want to do that. Um, I do think it obviously adds authenticity. Um, I mean, yeah, Emma's emotional journey is very similar to mine as a teenager. Um, having said that, I think for my next one, I would probably want to move away from putting a lot of myself into it. It's funny, cause, though, because Emma is... She is, has got a lot of teenage Chloe in, but adult Chloe is very much like this person feels like a character. I feel so far removed from myself as a teenager that it doesn't even feel like I am putting that much of myself in it anymore. But So maybe that's the difference between writing teenage books and writing adult books. I don't know. Have you started writing your next one? I'm working on the sequel to Emma. Oh,
0: cool! That's so exciting. Yeah, so exciting. So you've touched on it already um, that you work as a literary agent, so and you deal with children's books and YA as well. Yes, I do. Um, So how um, how do you think the job has helped you in terms of coming up with the idea for your book? Did you kind of were you looking for gaps in the market, or?
2: Um, Well, in coming up with the idea, obviously, because I started writing Emma. As I said, when I was a teenager, I mean, a little bit. So then awesome. I kind of just came back to it. Um So in terms of the idea for this one, no, I don't. I don't think being an agent really helped with coming up with that. But as an agent, we definitely are looking for gaps in the market. So that's definitely, I mean, I suppose just being an agent and thinking about the market has obviously been helpful. Thinking about structure, pace, all those things I think about all day every day so yeah it must have helped in some ways the idea for this was more because um when I was a teenager I loved the Louise Renison books I've already mentioned them but I think I got to about age 15 16 and I I kind of felt I was a little bit too old for them now but there wasn't anything like it for kind of older teens so that was really what I wanted to to do and I remember feeling as a teenager that a lot of books are quite all or nothing when it comes to sex like there's either nothing is happening or they or they're having sex yeah. and I remember thinking I remember feeling when I was about 15 16 like oh well I'm not a monk but neither am I having full-blown sex but where is this being reflected in in books so that was a, a big part of why I wanted to write it um but yeah in terms of being an agent I think unwittingly it must have helped in lots of ways in terms of the writing process but in terms of the idea not for this one
0: how did you how did you find um obviously you're probably really busy I always imagine literary agents being yeah. busy <laughs> it's very busy and yeah. then, and then so you're spending all day reading scripts and not, not scripts reading books and that sort of thing and then you come home and you're called cool to write like how do you keep that how did you manage to do that that must have been tricky or oh yeah that... it's hard yeah. yeah well actually the first the first one I found much easier it was so
2: I didn't have a deadline it was just on my own time when I when I had a moment and now the second one I found a lot harder because I have a deadline for it it is busy sometimes I think I must be going blind from all the staring at screens I'm doing <laughs> um, but yeah it's you just cram it in where, where you can and hope that your friends and family will understand <laughs> <laughs>
1: so you don't have a structure you're not like
2: a i get up at 5am i write till 6 30 no no structure for me because oh, i think because it's comedy i think unless i'm in a good mood i can't i can't do it unless i'm feeling like i want to have fun with it um I, cause I think so often i come back from work and i'm really grumpy and i think it's if i'm not having fun no one's going to be having fun reading it do you do anything to
0: kind of get yourself in a funny mood? Amy does a, do a little dance, and so she said,
1: "Funny mood." <laughs> do it? They do
2: laugh. It worked. <laughs> um, sure. I don't. Maybe I should. Actually, sometimes reading the teenage diaries does make me laugh, and sometimes I will get out some Louise Renison or you know something. Watch some comedy. I love Peep Show. I'll, I can oh, just rewatch it. So it's so I can just rewatch it endless, endless times. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I guess I do. Um, and also locking myself away in my room with the teenage diaries does help. And what about getting to publication?
1: Can you tell us a little bit? So you sort of you know you've written your first ten thousand words, you came back to it, and you
2: once you've got your manuscript, what happened next? Mm-hmm. Um, so I submitted actually under a fake name. Oh, um, because planning. because I work in publishing, I just didn't. I, it's not because I think I'm really important in publishing or anything. I'm not. But um, I I just didn't want anyone to Google me or stalk me on Twitter and think, oh, her book was shit. She works in publishing. She should know better. Um, so, What was your pseudonym? Or, my pseudonym was Zoe because I'm a master of subterfuge. <laughs> <laughs>
1: is there anybody else in the market along with a name like that? I can't think of anyone. I can't think of anyone. What was the surname? Did yeah. surname I'm Ella? Ziger. Was it Ella? <laughs> yeah.
2: That's, oh, that's not her name actual again. name. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> that's not her actual name, is it? <laughs> Zoe,
1: Zoe Ella, Zoe
2: Ella. No, that's not a yep. <laughs> Zoe Yeah, Zoe Sug. I should have just gone in as Zoe Sug, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Zoe Yeah. Yeah. Um, but just <laughs> for the a the record, one. your book isn't shit, and if you'd written it under <laughs> your actual name, I'm sure you'd have done just as well. Thank you, but I mean, I, it's hard to tell with your own stuff. You're so blinded to it. You don't. I feel like I can't. You know, can't actually have good judgment on it. So I wanted to know. Well, yeah, I wanted to know that someone else thought it was good enough and And not have and just take out all of the the kind of personal stuff also, because I probably run into a lot of these agents at parties, I didn't want them to feel awkward about having rejected me or you know, yeah. anything did you, did you like that. I you think,
0: I'll uh, ask some of my literary agent friends for their advice and stuff no. like that? You didn't at all? No. Oh, wow. I
2: found it too awkward in case they really, because sometimes you get that as an agent, you know, you have people who you know ask you, and if you think it's terrible, it's really hard to give feedback. Yeah. Um, so I kind of thought, well, I have no idea, because I really think you have no perspective on your own work often. So I just wanted to do it anonymously. Just Felt more comfortable that way,
1: yeah. Um, and what happened next was there, how,
2: yeah, what happened? Did, did what happened happen to next? agents, yeah, <laughs> did, you yeah. Or did
0: you just go straight to publishers? No,
2: went to agents, okay, cool. Um, and then, yeah, so we did, I got an agent then, and which was great, and then did a couple of rounds of edits with her, and then went on submission, and then had a couple of meetings with some publishers, went with one, so it was all quite smooth, really. Um, but yeah, we had, I did probably more edit, more editing with my agent than with my publisher which is actually I think more getting more and more common these days we're
1: starting to hear about yeah no. more and more authors that we talk to they do a lot more with their agent before yeah. they even approach
2: publishers yeah yeah. Listen I do a lot with anyone I take on yeah it's very rare that something comes in that I wouldn't change yeah.
0: and that's you'd suppose that you know you'd know kind of the stage <laughs> you'd hope that you'd know the stage that it can then go yeah you, you know
2: yeah I suppose I must have had some perspective that I thought you know I thought Someone might like this, but you can never be sure. You can exactly. never be sure. Yeah. How, and long, how long? Oh, sorry. It's just with comedy as well because it's sense of, it's my sense of humour. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Emma makes me laugh, but it's so hard with comedy, especially I think, to know if anyone else is going to laugh. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Oh my
0: god! And did you? Um, so, how long from from the sort of like starting to write it to public to publication? Do you kind have a rough?
2: Oh, well, technically, I suppose, given that I started writing it when I was 17, 18, <laughs> technically, like, six years. So okay. I was 20, no, I was 23 when I wrote it. Um, but actually, when I got down, when I sat down and wrote it, I wrote it within 10 weeks. Or oh, so. wow. Which is not too
0: long. It's the fastest we've heard so far. I
2: think... Oh, I don't know.
0: I think Lauren Berry might have beaten you. No, that I no, no as, no, as in Lauren Berry was slow. She wrote the whole thing in 10, 10 weeks. Yeah, I think she might have done two months. No, Lauren Berry took ten years. Ten
1: years? Yeah. You know, Who am I thinking of then? Who went and sat down and wrote it in a couple of months?
0: I don't know, Lauren Berry took... I don't remember, she was like, it took me oh, ten I, years I and thought... I hate every page. Well, <laughs> that's... Just... <laughs> Sorry. Um, oh, I th- Yeah,
1: I thought it was her, but yeah, that's that must be, if not the record, then very close to the record. Well but, done. Well, that's Thank great. You. She, did you but... lock yourself
2: away in a room? Um, well, was it? I was wor- I was working, so it was like evenings and weekends. Ten weeks, which were fast, but my second one has taken a year, so it's just what happened. Pl- yeah, what's happened? Yeah. I, Admi- completely uh, I
0: admire your work ethic. It's in- incredibly impressive. <laughs> we don't Thank really you, have that, do we? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I try to. I just spend yeah, a lot that... too much time worrying about things. There's a lot, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole and, different podcast. Um,
2: but then, to publication, it was longer. So then, I you know, I actually put it away after I'd written it went back to it for a few months, because I think all authors submitting to agents should do that, um, because you, you get a fresh perspective on it, and then I submitted, got an agent, and then we submitted probably kind of eight months after I'd written it, and then it was out the year after that, yeah. so I guess like a year and a
0: half. Okay two years how many months did you put it away for just a couple three three yeah
1: we could literally retitle this podcast putting it in a drawer because so (laughs) almost everyone gives us the same advice finish it Put it in a drawer for three yeah. months and then
2: come back to it. So. Yeah, often, so often, as an agent, I look at things. I think you should
0: have put this in a drawer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that should just be your in your submission guidelines. Yeah, <laughs> first <laughs> it in a drawer. Yeah. Off, in a drawer. Um, so, so on that note, um, what so what kind of mistakes do you see authors making time and time again in their submissions, and oh. um, what should our listeners avoid?
2: Oh, so many. Um, <laughs> I think firstly not addressing it to the person or not doing any research like get a lot of dear sir like do you mm. know who you're addressing it's this incredibly irritating. It's, yeah it's, we're, we're, i mean we have a guy working with us now but for a while we were an all-female agency so it's, you clearly haven't looked at our website at all it's just lazy it's, it's, so, it's lazy. so lazy um one of my biggest mistakes is where i can see why an author would think that this was right but it's just not Is they make the synopsis into a blurb so it's Kind of, I get that they're trying to capture our attention and make it interesting, but actually, as the agent, we want to know exactly what happens from start to finish. Um, so that's something that's really annoying, actually, um, when you're trying to assess hundreds of submissions. It's a good tip. Very um, good tip. These are all great tips.
0: <laughs> <laughs> keep um, going, keep going. <laughs> give us a
2: gold Clay. Um Going on for too long, I think there's sometimes people give you their life story, and it's you actually, I think. Unless you've been on the other side of the submissions inbox, you can't conceptualise just how many we are reading. It's like there are hundreds coming every week. So I think, yeah, if they're too long, you do tend to think, oh, uh, next. Um, And I think, you know, reading, read. So many submissions we get, it's so clear that people... Haven't read a book since a children's book since Harry Potter, um, so I think yeah, reading. I think as well with children's that's maybe worse than with adults because I think it's less words. People think oh I can I can write a children's book. It's you know simple language, but it's just not the case. Yeah. Mm. And they haven't read anything and they don't know the market at all. That'll and and yet, and, and yet people well, try yeah. and
1: try and win the market with their thinking that they're <laughs> that's just really bizarre, isn't it? That it's you would just bizarre. think you can.
2: Flounce into a market, write the perfect thing without having researched at all. And well, we get a lot of people as well who think that that's great because they, they think that that's really original. So they're like, oh, well, this is, never, this is such an original idea, it's never been done before. And it's like, well, there's a reason. It's never been done it before. It's so, <laughs> uh, well, like, yeah. <laughs> I wish I could give you some specific examples. It <laughs> would be unprofessional. What
0: do, what do you reckon is the key to a good cover letter?
2: A good cover letter. Yes. Um, So. Short and sweet, but I think the the thing to get across is what makes your book fit into the market, but also what makes it stand out. So that's obviously quite difficult to get right. But I think it needs to be unique. It needs to offer something different. Something it needs to be the book that only you could write. But it also need you you need to be able to see where it's going to sit on the shelves. It can't be so unique that no one would ever want to read it. Um, <laughs> so, and I would start with a one line hook. You got to get it into a, a one line hook, then then write a little bit more about the book, then write a little bit about yourself, finish. because
0: yeah. short and sweet one page. Yeah, definitely. Do you, what do you think about the kind of like, this is Bridget Jones meets something else? Like, Do you like that kind of analogy?
2: Yeah, I don't mind it if that's yeah. the one-line hook. If Because it, if it's not particularly plot-based, it can be hard to get the one-line hook, you know, in. So mine, I guess, would be like modernised Louise Renison or like slightly older modernised Louise Renison, I guess that. Could be a one line that you'd say about it because it's not, it's character driven, it's not particularly plot based. But yeah, if you've got a really strong plot hook, then I'd say use that Mm. for your one line.
1: When we talked to Felicia Yap, who is the author of Yesterday, she was saying that her hook just literally came to her in one go. She, think, she was just, tangoing, wasn't she? She was tangoing.
0: And she, was, she, was, she, was, she
1: was tangoing with her husband, obviously, as <laughs> one does. And not with her husband, obviously. Um, but she... And it just it just came to her fully formed. Her hook was just came to her in her head. And that was it. Amazing. Like, that must be so rare. Like, sometimes
2: I think the hardest bit is to get it down into yeah, the hook. Yeah, definitely. And I think also as well that that's great because sometimes you need to start from somewhere sometimes the hook can actually not really be that much about what the book it is but you need to work from somewhere i think the biggest thing where it's an issue for me is fantasy like a lot of the fantasies we see sound very similar because it's so much about creating this world but you also need to have something that makes it stand out from all the other worlds um yeah so yeah when i was
1: um i was writing my my book my book is about Tinder, and um, the husband of one of my very dear friends, he said, um, "Rosie, if you want to write a bestseller, just look at look at the bestsellers already out there." And he was like, "Harry Potter, Fifty Shades of Grey, Sex Wizards," and he was just <laughs> like, "Write a book about Sex Wizards, Sex Wizards." I quite I like, like it. it yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> Don't steal it. Don't steal it. I said it first. I said it first. It's my I'm going to write it. <laughs> I reckon there's probably a lot of like stuff on Amazon that's sex wizards sex wizards yeah, yeah. if not yeah, entitled sure. that it should yeah. be that's <laughs> going to be my I hit. was going to
2: say and you don't even need to title it anything different just sex wizards oh yeah. it's sex
0: oh, sell it okay. straight away it's, All right, it's fine. a great <laughs> band name as well isn't it oh,
2: the sex oh, yes. wizards yes. oh my <laughs> god I'd go see them we, we should been the <laughs> Guys, we should. Yeah. I'm, I'm grade one drums. What do you I'm, guys have? I'm to grade
1: bring five to the table?
0: recorder. <laughs> yes. I'm grade oh five deskant
1: recorder, and yes, you can do grades in deskant recorder. I mean, okay. I can dance. <laughs> Amazing um, I'll visuals. Be the best. I've seen Amy dance. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'll be the best. I'm fine with that. Right, God bless it and sound banging. <laughs>
1: okay, um, <laughs> so. Um, obviously, you do work, you know, you work in publishing and so you see all these authors and and, and obviously the cover letter and your submission is hugely important for yeah. getting your book published. What about networking? How important do you think that is for aspiring writers who
2: are trying to get a book deal? Um, I would say not important at all, actually. I quite like that publishing is, you know, you, you have a set route that anyone can go down. So, you know, there are people whose job it is to be reading the cover letter and the material um and they are looking at everyone's so you know if something's really incredible then you will go somewhere and i, I like that that's kind of an even playing field i think networking and not so much networking is important but knowing what's out there and being engaged in the reading community and reading is more important so i suppose you could call being on social media networking and interacting with other authors but really it's just it's giving you a a knowledge about kind of the market and what's out there but i would say in terms of like knowing people not really not really definitely our agency we just you know we get stuff in that's random if we like it we go with it yeah Mm. and i like that you can do it without networking
0: yeah yeah that's really nice to nice to know (laughs) uh, a lot of writers obviously would prefer not to leave the house (laughs) yeah (laughs) including me i mean (laughs) the thing is is it
2: more like once your book is out there then doing events becomes more important course, yeah. for
0: publicity and on that note Chloe was joining us at the November riffraff yes <laughs> on November will. the on 9th November the 9th
1: <laughs> 7 to 9.30pm at the Ephra Social in Brixton
0: please come anyway yeah. and thank you so much for joining us that was so enjoyable mm-hmm. thank you very much well, thank you for having me thank you Chloe thank you Riffraff podcast is hosted by co-founders Amy Baker and Rosie Come say hey at the-riffraff.com.